Today's scripture is from Acts chapter 6, 8 through 12, and verse 15. And then verse 7, at the end of that chapter, verses 54 through 60. Now Stephen, a man full of grace and power, did great wonders and miraculous signs among the people. Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the Freemen, as it was called, the Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, and the well as the provinces of Cilicia and Asia. These men began to argue with Stephen, but they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak words of blasphemy against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. All those who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen, and they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. When they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to the heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus, standing at the right hand of God, look, he said, I see heaven open. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, Do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. Thank you, Jerry. Well, good morning. I remember very well my first truck that I had that I drove... From when I was age 16, I had it in college at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. It was a 1979 Toyota truck, had a long bed on it. It was kind of an aqua blue color. It was a funky color, but cool for the beach uh, in Santa Barbara. And it was great for loading in surfboards and driving my friends around. And I really loved that truck. A lot of great memories made for many years uh, with that truck. But one of the memories that I also have of that truck and and driving around Santa Barbara as a college kid is always looking down at the gas gauge. And it was always just above the empty mark, right at the red mark, if you know what I'm talking about there. And I drive most of my college life on empty until my father came to town. My father was often a guest speaker at Westmont College. And so he would come into town and he would speak in the, in the chapels. 
And we would go out to dinner, I would drive, and we would pull into the, the shell station, and he would say, fill it up. And then he would pay for it. Man, that was the best feeling in the world. To drive on a full tank of gas. It just made my month. And it filled me with joy. And my father would, would again, all his resources would pay for it. And bless me with a tank of gas. And that marker on F, on full. Still to this day, at age 51... My dad will put his hand in mine with a bunch of cash, and he'll say, fill it up. He still does that to me today. That's the question for us this morning. In our Christian journey, as we're following the Lord, are we driving on full with the resources of the Heavenly Father? We're going to look at the life of Stephen A great saint, he served tables. He became the first Christian martyr. And he was a man who lived his life on full with the resources of the Heavenly Father. We're going to look at how he lived his life full of grace and power. How he lived his life full of the Holy Spirit. How he lived his life full of wisdom and faith. And how he lived his life full of Jesus. And that we too can live a life of Christ in the same manner. Let's pray for that this morning. Father, I pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would pour out upon us and fill us up. Full of you. Full of your life in us. We surrender unto you. Our tanks are empty, and we need your filling this morning. So minister to us, speak to us, encourage us. May we receive your filling this morning. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. How many of you are named Stephen in this room? Look at these. Yeah, good. You know what your name means, right? Crowned one, victorious crown. You are ones who are receiving the crown. Here's what the scriptures say in James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. It's promised to each and every one of us. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, when we believe in this son that we're celebrating, that we're preparing for, who came not just to be a baby in a manger, but to die on the cross for our sin, to rise again, to offer us eternal life as we believe upon him. When we do that, we shall receive an eternal crown. He is our life. He is our Savior. We first meet Stephen in Acts chapter 6, and they considered him to become a deacon, a servant, which is what deacon means, to the Grecian widows who were not receiving enough food at the time. He's ministering to the people. He's doing incredible wonders and miracles. He's talking about Jesus and all that Jesus had done in his life. 
He's talking about Jesus' life and His death and what His resurrection really means. And that stirs the people up. How dare you talk about Jesus this way? He's not the king. He's not the anointed one. What are you talking about? The temple is going to be replaced. How dare you? And the people are stirred up. And they argue against him. But they couldn't argue enough because of the spirit of wisdom given to him. So what do you do when you can't defeat someone in argument? You kill them. And that's what they did. Since Stephen, there have been many who have died for Christ. Gordon Conwell put out a study a while ago, and they said over the last 10 years, every year, there's been about 90,000 martyrs for Jesus, witnesses to him, taken out in terrible ways. Would I die for Christ like Stephen, like the martyrs who have gone before us? Ruth Bell Graham grew up in China. She was a child of missionaries. And she always wanted to be a martyr. She always wanted that, that she would die for Christ and actually in some terrible way for Him. And she would pray often, Lord, take me. And while she's in China, she wanted to be, she wanted to be abducted and, and really killed for Jesus. And so she would pray these prayers all the time. And she shared a room with her sister Rosa. And she would pray, she would pray, Lord, take me, have someone capture me tonight for you, Jesus. And then Rosa, in in a biography of her, Rosa would would pray next to her and said, Lord Jesus, don't you listen to one thing she's saying. (laughs) I think that's oftentimes our prayer, isn't it? Are we willing to die for Christ in such a way? But I think the bigger question is, are we willing to live for Christ now? Are you willing to live for Christ today? Stephen did. He lived for Jesus. He lived a life driving on full. And he set an example for us of how to live serving and how to live when we we face trials and persecution and and hard times at work and family difficulties and and all these things where we're feeling attacked. He, He shows us how to live and stay driving on full. Acts 6, verse 8 says, And Stephen, full of grace and power, he's doing incredible wonders, and then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, they were, they were probably slaves in Rome, Jewish slaves that were freed from Rome and dispersed out. You know, they'd been freed from slavery, captivity in Rome, and yet they're still in chains. Still in chains. They were so angry at what Stephen was teaching about and all that he was doing that they disputed. They rose up against him. They're irate, they're hot, they're murderous. Because he was speaking about the temple. He was speaking about the law of Moses. And they were saying, he's, the way he's speaking about these things is contrary to everything that we believe. 
How dare you say that there's a new law that's fulfilled in Jesus? How dare you talk the temple's going to be replaced? And as he's arguing these things, verse 10 says they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And as they gazed intently at him, they saw that his face was like that of an angel. How do we live on full? Scriptures say he was full of grace and power. Full of grace, he understood the implications of grace. God had forgiven him much and given him salvation. He understood grace where it wasn't all of my works and my attempts to be godly and to get to God and to to please God. It was this amazing unmerited favor upon me. He understood grace. And then he poured it out to those religious leaders who were always, these are the rules in order to please God, to get to God. And he offered grace. That same grace is offered to each and every one of us. Sometimes we keep trying to figure out, how do I get to God? He's saying, it's only through my son Jesus. Receive the gift this Christmas season. It's only through Jesus. Stephen offered grace. He was overwhelmed by God's grace. And it came nothing but poured out upon the people. Not only the truths of the fact that we are forgiven. And it's all God's work. But what happened is it changed Stephen. That he became a person who was lovely and beautiful. He had a graciousness about him that reflected Jesus. I was impacted this week by all the tribute that was paid to George H.W. Bush. All week long, thousands and thousands came to speak about the man who was our president, our 41st president. And I was blown away by, by how much people talked about his kindness He had the most powerful role in the world, and yet he was full of grace. It was said often of him by his dear friend James Baker. You know what? I got to spend time with Secretary of State James Baker when I lived in Washington, D.C. One of my dearest friends was his nanny to his daughter. And so I got to hang out at his house. And I actually got to just hang out with James Baker. And it was during the time that George H.W. was president. And so I would talk about that. And he would talk about how he and George would would pray often together, seeking God's will, because the pressure and the, the responsibility was so heavy. How they had been friends for 40 some odd years. They really loved each other. But they were both men devoted to God. They loved Jesus. And they truly were godly men in a very difficult position of leading this country. Graciousness that came out, poured out, authentic to the core. And that's the question for us. Is our life full of grace? We have received much from Jesus. Are we offering it to others? A gracious spirit. We can live full of that because of the Holy Spirit. 
He had a face like an angel. What did that look like? Like George Blakeman. Look at that guy. That's a face of an angel right there. Shining. He had the face of an angel. You know, the scriptures, when they talk about angels, oftentimes they are like, they're, they're powerful, they're full of light. They're sometimes they cause incredible fear. People fell down before angels because they were afraid of who they were. Isn't it interesting that those who are saying, you're going against Moses. Do you remember Moses when he came off, the, off Mount Sinai and his face was shining? I'm assuming part of this face like an angel had some shine to it. I think it's God's affirmation. No, what Stephen is saying about Moses receives my affirmation. And he's shining just like Moses was. But there was a sweetness, a graciousness, and there was a strength to Stephen as he depended on the resources of the Father. Driving on full. He would speak truth. He was full of power, performing wonders and, and ministering to people. Here's what Acts 1.8 says, right? We can't forget this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses, same word, martyr. In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I think Stephen spoke with grace and truth, not hindering the words of God, speaking forth truth, but doing it with incredible love, speaking like Jesus. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh, that's Christmas time that we're celebrating, and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as the only of the Son of the Father. And that glory is full of grace and truth. That's who Stephen was, living like Jesus. Not shying away from speaking words of life from the Scriptures, but doing it with a graciousness and an understanding. You're a broken people who are lost, but I am going to speak forth what God has for life. I'm going to speak forth these truths which have power in themselves. And so he spoke forth. And I think he was given power to persevere. What trials are you facing today? What's going on today that is so difficult and challenging? Trials, anything that's before you, that you can be filled up to persevere from the resources of the Heavenly Father. May we live full of grace and power. The second thing that we see in driving on full is that He's full of the Holy Spirit. We see in Acts 6, select from, from you those men of good reputation, in verse 3, that are full of the Spirit. That word full just keeps coming over and over again. And they chose Stephen, in verse 5, a man who was full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. He was a man full of the Spirit. And so can we be as well. 
It's what gave him the power to live his Christian life, to, to speak boldly for Christ before the Sanhedrin. It reminded me of when Jesus, after he was baptized and he, start, and he began his ministry, Luke 4, one says this, And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. As Jesus began his ministry, and as he faced all these temptations, how did he do it? How did he drive full? Full of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way we go through life. It's how Jesus faced attacks through the power of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. It says three times with Stephen in this little section that he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that, what does that look like? What does that mean? That he was filled with the Holy Spirit. First of all, you should know that it's not, it's not to be filled with the Holy Spirit is not for the spiritually elite. It's not only for those who are going out across the world, the missionaries and, and the pastors and, and the spiritually elite. It's all for us normal day-to-day Christians to be filled with the Spirit. The second thing you need to know about being filled with the Spirit, it means to be controlled by the Spirit. Ephesians 5 says, listen, I don't want you to be drunk on wine, controlled by wine. I want you to be filled with the Spirit. I want the Spirit to control your life. You see, when we're drunk on wine, we're controlled by the flesh and we, we, we live out in that, in that stupor, in that drunkenness. We're controlled by it. But when we're filled with the Spirit, we're led in the Spirit and doing godly things and righteous things. Don't be controlled by anything else. Be controlled by the Spirit. That means we surrender. We all have, listen, I'm going to do it this way. The famous song, I'll do it my way. He says, no, no. I want you to surrender that in the morning, wake up and say, Lord, here's my life. Would you fill me today? Full of your Spirit. Take it. Take me where you need me to be. Help me to be more loving. One of the things that you need to know about the filling of the Spirit, the the third thing that I want to take a look at is that a lot of times we don't receive the filling of the Spirit because we have incredible sin in our lives. You see, sin separates us from God and separates us from receiving the complete filling that we should have. But what do the Scriptures remind us of? Take your sin, be quick. Come before the Lord, confess your sin to the Lord. He's quick to forgive. Let Him wash you clean. Come before the Lord. Father, forgive me for my sin. I want to live for You. I want to live controlled by Your Spirit. Father, fill me. That's what it looks like. It's nothing magical. We have the Holy Spirit, one, And then our daily journey is that we're asking the Lord to fill us full of Him. It's it's the only way we do life. And we get out of the way, our flesh, thinking that we have it under control. When we're controlled by the Spirit, we're actually 
there's fruit from the Spirit, we become people who are full of joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Are you full of the Spirit? Are you driving full? The fourth thing I want you to understand about the filling of the Spirit, it's a repeated act. It's not something that just happens one time, but literally should be every day for thousands of days as God has given us breath on this planet that we invite the Holy Spirit to come in. Father, help me to be more loving to my brother today. I don't have it in me. Fill me full. Fill me full. It's an invitation. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, fill me full up. I want to be controlled. I want my tank to be full. And you have the resources to give it to me. Jesus says this on the last day of the great feast. Jesus stood and he cried out, If any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scriptures have said, from the innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. Do you believe Jesus or not? But this He spoke of the Spirit. For those whom believed in Him, they would receive that. For the Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. The filling of the Spirit which Jesus promised to us, come thirsty, come thirsty, and receive rivers of living water, receive the Spirit, and that we walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, Galatians says. Don't carry out the desires of your flesh, but be empowered, be moved, walk with me, and walk empowered by me. It's a question for all of us. Are we walking in the Spirit? Are we experiencing God's power? Do we see the fruit of, spirit, of the Spirit in our lives? Are we becoming more loving people, gentle and kind and patient? If we're not, then we're saying, God, forgive me for my sin. Fill me with your Spirit. And guess what? He will. He will. He was filled with wisdom and faith. Select from the brethren, men who are full of the Spirit and wisdom. It means so much more than, than he was just good with, you know, as they asked him to step in with the widows. It wasn't, oh, I'm good at organizing food and, and handling the money and figuring out what goes where. But it's, it's godly truth applied to the situation. Biblical, theological understanding of God's good word and bringing it to each situation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, Stephen knew the word of God. In a couple of weeks, Jackson's going to teach on that whole segment where he speaks before the Sanhedrin. But Stephen knew the Word of God and he brought it forth. He did it with grace and power, truth that was spoken clearly. 
They couldn't argue against it. But how did he have wisdom? He had wisdom because he knew Jesus. And he knew God's law. It takes time to cultivate spiritual life like that. It takes time in prayer. It takes time in being with the Father. It takes time being in His Word. One of the books that I recommend to you is, I've been going through this this whole year, uh, 2018. It's Timothy Keller, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life, and it just goes through the Proverbs. Daily devotional. Highly recommend it for you. But he says in, in uh, about Proverbs 1.5, it says, true wisdom requires a deep knowledge of the Scriptures. A deep, deep knowledge of the Scriptures. Even Jesus based his every move on the Scriptures, quoting it out of Matthew and out of Psalm 22. Do you want wisdom? Do you want to be filled full of wisdom? Be a person who's devoted to the Scriptures. Know God more. Know Jesus more. As we learn about who He was. And then take these truths and apply them to daily life. Your daily conflict. How to love someone better. How to handle difficult situations. Be wise. And you know what you can be because of the Holy Spirit and because of God's truth. You can drive full of wisdom. And he was full of faith. You know one of the things that Stephen lived out as Acts 6, 5 speaks that he's full of faith, one of the things that he lived out was, was the fact that, that his life was trusting that God was who he said he was. That God would provide life. That God would save him. He, he trusted the Scriptures that God is good and has been walking with his people all throughout history. Even in the middle of this crummy situation, God has not changed. He's still good. And he placed his faith in him. And he trusted him to lead him where he needed to go. He trusted him as he was placed before the Sanhedrin who was accusing him like they did Jesus. He was full of faith. Romans 10 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Again, how do we grow and be filled with faith? We, we keep understanding and knowing who God is and seeing his faithfulness. We celebrated 70 years of God's faithfulness. Because he's faithful, we can trust him to lead us through. Full of faith. The last thing I want to look at with Stephen's life, he was full of Jesus. When we look at his life and his death, we can see that it was Jesus living through him. It is I who no longer live, but Christ who lives through me. That was evident with Stephen. In his speech, in his great speech, again, that Jackson will bring us to later, as he's speaking about Jesus. But in this part where they're, they're listening, in verse 54, they heard these things that enraged them. They were gnashing their teeth. But he, verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed unto heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out loud and they're closing their ears and they're gnashing their teeth. How dare you? How dare you? 
and they grabbed him out to kill him. Stephen looked like Jesus. And that's always the question for you and me. Do we look like Jesus? Do we act like Jesus when we're attacked? Or if we're attacked, do we just do like the rest of the world does and we attack back? How about you let God be your defender? Which he is. Let's think for a minute about how Stephen looked so much like Jesus. I was thinking about how Jesus said in Mark 10, he says, I did not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. Mark 10, 45. Stephen starts out his life in the scriptures that we know of as a servant, as a deacon. His whole life was about serving. Oh, he looked like Jesus. Both Jesus and Stephen were put on trial before the Sanhedrin. Both were accused by false witness. Both were accused of speaking against the temple. Both were charged with blasphemy and questioned by the priest. One of the most powerful things, both commit their spirit at death. Luke 23 says, The curtain of the temple was torn in two, and Jesus called out in a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And while they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He looks like Jesus. Both intercede for their enemies right to the end, focused on the souls of others. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they are doing. And Stephen says, Jesus, don't hold this sin against them. He looked so much like Jesus. Do we? What's the outcome of Stephen's life? What impact did he have as he lived life full? You know, it's so amazing. The scriptures say, as they're stoning Stephen, they laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul, who became Paul, who spread the gospel all over. You don't think Stephen's testimony, his life lived now and in the moment, you don't think that had impact on Paul? Goading Paul towards the throne of grace? Your life lived now full of Jesus has impact on those who are even the hardest against God. Paul, when he's speaking and giving a defense against his accusers in Acts 22, and he's talking about all that Jesus did, and he say, listen, when Stephen was there, the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed. I myself, I was standing there. I was approving that. I was watching over the garments as they killed him. And God said to me, Paul is saying, Paul, I know. Go. And I'm going to send you now to the Gentiles. And then Paul started to drive on full. The gospel went out because the people were dispersed. They were emboldened by the testimony of Stephen. In Acts 11, we see that the the saints are sent out all over the place because of what took place with Stephen. You see, when we're living full of Jesus, the gospel goes forth. My dear friend and 
Afghanistan was sharing his life story with me the other night, actually with a group of us. And he was talking about how he had to flee Afghanistan because they were persecuting Christians. And he was one. They fled to Pakistan and did an underground church in Pakistan. They, they met in a van and they would drive around in the van so they wouldn't get caught and have church. Or just a few of them would meet at a park with just a, a little piece of paper with some scriptures on them. And they would just read those scriptures and be the church that was spread out from Afghanistan. And so now underground churches were starting all over the place because of the persecution. And they were living full of Jesus. And he just said to us the other night, I want to go back because he's full of Jesus. This passage leaves us full of hope. This Advent that we're celebrating this morning, full of hope. He gazed into heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. What's the hope? Look up. Here's the spiritual reality because of Jesus. Here's the hope you can have. You've got to understand something. Heaven is opened up to all who would believe in Jesus and His Son, His death and His resurrection. Opened up to us access into the throne room of the living God, heaven, you now can enter into his glorious presence. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God, not sitting, standing at the right hand of God. I think advocating before the Father, no, this is my chosen, beloved Stephen. He is righteous. Accept him, Father. And also, I think, standing, arms wide open. Well done, son. Well done. And embracing him as he came into heaven. Our hope is that God came in the flesh. Because he loved us so much that he offered us salvation as we would believe upon him. He's full of life and He gives us full life. What a beautiful hope we have in Jesus. And we can drive on a full tank right into heaven. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You so much for this morning. I thank You for the hope that we have in You. And again, Father, I ask Your pouring out of Your Spirit upon us. Fill us full. Fill us full. We want to live for you today. We praise you. We give you honor and glory. In your beautiful name, amen.